author, pastor, English teacher. How do you do all that at once? Today's guest comes to us with a wealth of life and faith experience, including a long list of publications, books, articles, devotionals, you name it. Any aspiring writer will want to check out the work of Martin Wiles. He knows well the rough and tumble world of writing and what you will face when you take your first step into it. My dad was a preacher, so I grew up as a preacher's kid, so I you know, have always been in church prior to even being born. And um, so my faith journey, I guess, started when I was nine, uh, when dad explained the plan of salvation to me and told me what Jesus had done for me and asked me if I wanted to believe in him and follow him. So uh, that's kind of when it began and continued growing through that time until I got about 14. And then I decided I didn't like being a preacher's kid too much and I didn't like all the expectations that people placed on me. <laughs> so there were there were a number of um, yeah, years yeah. of kind of rebellion and doing my own thing until I got, I guess, about 23, 24, early 20s in there. And then I just finally listened to God. He'd been bugging me for a number of years. And so that's kind of where I started again at that point and uh, got my life reoriented. So I see here that um, you listed uh, pastor and English teacher, right? Yes. Is that all at the same time, or is that one at a time? Well, it's been both. Yeah. Right right now, it's both. But initially, in my early 20s, when I kind of got back on track, that's when I went into the ministry, which I had felt the Lord calling me to do back when I was a middle schooler, but then the teenage years got in the way. And so in my early 20s, that's when I heard that call again and went to college to prepare for that because I had not gone to college after I graduated high school. So then uh, after college, yes, I, I started pastoring churches, and I was doing that full-time. Did that for a, a number of years and, you know, been through some life changes. I got out of that for a few years, and that's when I started teaching. Um, I had In the first church I pastored, um, I was bivocational for a time, so I, I did teach and do the church, but I was not teaching English at that time. I was teaching history. Mm -hmm. okay. um, so currently I'm teaching at Greenwood Christian School and middle school English, and I, I pastor a little small country church uh, part-time. Well, uh, I noticed you, uh, you have a long list of publications, and um, first question about that is how, how did you develop first an interest in writing? Where, where did that come from and when? It, I guess it started a little while I was in college. It was mainly just dabbling a little bit in poetry at that time and didn't really do anything but journal, keep a journal, you know, after, during college and after that time. And so I really wasn't doing any writing other than that. Uh, didn't have anybody in the family that really did that. Uh, Dad was a preacher. Now, he did handwrite out every one of the sermons he preached. But as far as, you know, being published and really being in the writing world, he wasn't. So he died in um, 2009. And mm. for some reason, that was just the starting point for me. And I began writing at that time. And it's, you know, it's been a long journey because writers are kind of a dime a dozen. So there's a lot of us out there. <laughs> and it's a, it's a lot of, you know, and it's, it's know. not easy getting things um 
published. It's a it's a lot of competition, and technology has made that even more intense. Yeah, you're right. Um, but it kind of it started from there, and you know has just grown as opportunities have opened. You know, it's, I've just had more opportunities, and as I move toward retirement age, I'm still doing a good bit of writing, but I'm also doing more editing now because I'm looking at freelance editing as you know editing as being a supplement to the retire in the retirement year so kind of split my time between both of those right now okay did you find that you just had a natural um, uh, talent for writing or did you work at it did you take courses some people just um, wake up in the morning and they start writing and it's it's good stuff I mean, what, yeah what happened with you I, I think it was a little of both I um I think it was natural, but it I have had to develop it, obviously, through, you know, trial and error, critiques from other writers, attending writing conferences, um, taking editing courses, attending conferences for editors and, and all of that. So, yeah, it's been a um, it's been a journey of learning because that is not what my degree was in college. My degree was in ministry. So, you know, I, I was not an English major. Yeah. Um, but it did. And in, in teaching English, you know, I, I kind of see the same thing among students. Some students have a, a natural ability. They do that well in grammar and they seem to have a handle on it and they write well, but they're not in the majority. They're, you know, always in the minority. So I, I think I was, you know, had that natural ability, but I certainly had to hone my skills. Yeah, sure. Because as I said, I, you know, I was, that was not my degree area. I was wondering, what is the um, the latest book you've written? What is the name of it, and what uh, what is the the main message behind that? Some maybe you'd like to talk about that. Um, the latest book is um, "Don't Just Live, Really Live," and that's based on Jesus' Sermon on the Mount in Matthew five through seven, mm-hmm. and um, that's a series of sermons that I had preached and, and have preached more than once. But the main focus of that is, is kind of based on me growing up in the church and seeing a lot of positive stuff, but a lot of negative stuff um, <laughs> take place with, <laughs> within churches. Yeah. Hard to believe as it related, you know, to my family, you know, seeing sometimes how, you know, my dad and mom were treated by good Christian folks. And then, you know, me uh, having, experience some of that in churches that I've pastored too. Thinking about Jesus's interaction with the religious leaders so much and the conflict that he had with them and them kind of being the representatives of the church of the day. And I saw a lot of similarities in that. And I just thought it was interesting that, you know, in his Sermon on the Mount, that he really tells us what life is about because we get it wrong so much. And I think he addresses so much that had to do with tradition in his day. And I just think that has a lot of application for our day because in a lot of churches, you know, it's, we get into the traditional thing and I think we get away from what the whole meaning of God's word is and what it means to be a Christian. And we get caught up in a lot of other things that we add on to people's list of stuff they have to do or be to enjoy Christianity. So it's kind of an explanation of that. And um, how I think Jesus just tells us what being a Christian really is. Yeah, it's kind of it's kind of a surprise, isn't it? Uh, what you actually discover in churches and among church people, 
uh, you know, in the first couple of years of ministry, it can come as a shock to a lot of people mm -hmm. uh, because of how people behave and how they don't behave and so on. But since we're talking about that, I noticed one of your articles, Why Christians Don't Live for Christ. Was that, uh, did that come from your experience in the church? And what would, you, what would you like to say about that particular article? Um, I'm sure it probably did, uh, because most of my experiences are based on, you know, either school experience or church experience. And I, I just, I, I, you know, I think it's uh, that people can get discouraged trying to live up with what they're told sometimes within Christian circles uh, constitutes what a Christian is. And I think sometimes we just miss the the whole meaning. And I've known so many people during my lifetime who are not in church anymore. And, and of course, you know, research shows us today of how many of our young folks are walking away from church too. And mm -hmm. I think a lot of it's the same thing. They just, people get the wrong messages there or they, you know, encounter a person or a group or a committee or a team of people who, um, they have a bad experience with, and the experience usually is kind of based on tradition, and they get a bad taste in the mouth, and they leave church, and often they don't go to another church. They just quit going to church. Um, yeah. Yeah. We just recently read one of Shirley Jackson's uh, most popular little pieces called The Lottery. If you're not familiar with that, it's just about a town of people who got together once a year and they had a little black box with all of the last names of the folks in the town. And so they would pick a last name and then they would have another drawing and they would narrow it down to one family with that last name. And then they'd have another drawing, which would include that one particular family. And the family member whose piece of paper had a black dot on it, they stoned them to death. And there was absolutely <laughs> no reason for them to do it other than that it was a tradition and they had been doing it for hundreds of years. And sometimes yeah. we uh, kind of do things like that in church. <laughs> yeah, I'm afraid so. Um, I don't know what the answer to that is, but I do know that, uh, well, I've, I've had a number of churches in my history. But the most surprising thing to me was how, uh, how either carnal or just secular church people can be. Mm -hmm. and, uh, and the things they do and say and don't do and don't say, uh, can be a real shocker for a, a, a young pastor, mm -hmm. but eventually you, you you figure it out, right? Yeah, you do. Uh, these these are sinners. We're all sinners, and uh, they're not going right. to be they're yeah. not going to be fantastically different from anybody else. But sometimes they are. Yeah. Uh, so we develop a sense of I'm a sinner. They're a sinner. And uh, it was a DT Nile said, uh, "I'm just a a person." telling poor people, hungry people, where to find bread. That's right, yeah. And so he regarded himself as, as the same kind of person. But yeah. uh, it, it's a shocker, no doubt. And for some people, I mean, I, a lot of people have left the ministry over that very issue. Uh, I know mm -hmm. in, my, in my seminary, uh, the average length of a lifespan as a pastor uh, was five years after seminary, which mm -hmm. uh, I thought was kind of shocking. Mm -hmm. But um, yeah. there are a lot of people who don't go to church, as you know. Uh, they still believe, read the Bible, they pray, yep. everything, but they will not go to a church. And I know a lot of people in that in that position. So that, that mm -hmm. obviously comes from a bad experience in a church. Yeah. But it hasn't changed dramatically in the last 20 years, as far as I can tell. No. 
And I think, you know, our, our pandemic that we've been through has made it, you know, good and bad, easier for people not to go to church because, right. you know, most churches are live streaming. So easier for people to be lazy about it. But at the same time, you know, it does offer something for those who've had a bad taste in their mouth for whatever reason. So Yeah, you're right. No. Um, listening to it that way is better than not going and not doing anything else either. So, yeah, you know, pros and cons with that. Yeah. We've done a lot of zoom church. Uh, we're just now going back and forth. Actually, the rules changed from month to month, but we're now back as Mm -hmm. face to face church, which I prefer, Mm -hmm. but we're still doing zoom for those who uh, have not come back for whatever reason and who may not Mm -hmm. come back, but they still, Mm -hmm. a lot of them still want to know, uh, scripture and want to, want to hear sermons and want prayer and that sort of thing. Mm-hmm. So, you know, that's, that's where we are today. Well, let me go back a little bit, uh, to your own, your own message that you write and preach. What, what would you consider the heart and soul of your message and of your writing? Is there something you tend to gravitate towards more frequently, different themes or something like that? Mine is generally always encouragement, uh, related, um, my dad was, um, I guess, what we would call an old hellfire and brimstone preacher. He was <laughs> uh, very, um, in my younger years, very um, fundamental or legalistic, if you want to use that term. So it, yeah. it was always about the rules, dotting eyes, crossing the T's, and that's right. you know that's kind of the atmosphere that I grew up in. Um, so based on that, and based on you know, some upheaval that I, you know, had that kind of changed the trajectory of my ministry for a few years um, in family life. Mine is is just, you know, I think there's a lot of folks out there that are discouraged, they're down, they're out, they've heard the wrong messages about Christianity, they've had bad experiences. So mine is, you know, I, I just, I don't deal a whole lot on the uh, doctrinal matters. I don't, you know, I, I don't approach stuff from a, you know, legalistic standpoint. Mine is just, um, and, and it's not a, it's not solely a feel good thing. And it's not that we don't need to recognize that we're sinners and repent and confess and all that, that that's splattered in there, but it's, it's more encouragement for people who are struggling for whatever reason. So you're sort of a Barnabas then in that sense. Hmm? Yeah. That's what I try to be. Yeah. Yeah. And okay. I, you know, my, personal website is love lines from god and so that's kind of what we try that's kind of what i try to keep it as so you you do a lot of devotional writing then right i do that's um yeah it is um not solely but the majority of it is yeah what's uh, your advice to somebody who says um i toying with the idea of becoming a writer i'd like to know how to start what do i do where where do i begin what would your advice be to this aspiring writer comes to you probably my first thing would be and it's not the first thing that i did um, I guess it was close, is to attend the writers' conference. And, and, you know, you don't, there are writers' conferences out there of all sizes, from small to large and from relatively inexpensive to very expensive. That was probably the thing that helped me the most. I had, you know, sent some things off, had some things published before I ever attended my first writers' conference. But that was probably the thing that helped me the most because you place yourself in fellowship with other folks who are in the same or similar place that you are. There are uh, speakers there, 
authors, writers, who are uh, agents, uh, publishers, who are going to tell you all about the publishing world and also, you know, give you great advice on how to write, regardless of whether it's a book, a devotional article, short story, whatever it might be. So that's 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 always the, a good place to start. So you rub elbows with uh, writers. Yeah, kind of makes sense, doesn't it? Yeah, be, yeah, yeah. <laughs> be around people who do what you want to do. Yeah, that's yeah, good. Yeah, okay. and, and people who will, again, will encourage you because it is, a, I mean, it's a, a tough world because there are so many people that are writing and um, the publishing world has changed a lot because of technology. So, you know, there are a lot of, I mean, anybody can publish anything they want to basically now. They don't need a traditional publisher anymore you know they don't have to have an agent in a lot of cases and so yeah, um right. it, it's a it's a different world in a lot of respects and uh social media um you know traditional publishers now you know unless you've got 50 to eighty thousand followers on social media they're not going to even look at anything that you submit to them so it's a it's a definitely a different world um one other thing that i would tell anybody who's planning on being a writer is if you don't have a social media platform, you better establish one, whether you like social media or not, because in today's world of publishing, that's the only way you're going to have anything published is to have a social media platform. Yeah, there's some advantages and disadvantages to both. I, I've gone through um, what life was like prior to computers and cell phones and social media mm-hmm. as compared to mm-hmm. now. It's a different world. I mean, there's it is a very hard, hardly any resemblance to what used to be in terms right. of writer, a writer's life. Uh, well, I can remember back when there were only a handful of Christian writers. You know, people, you mm-hmm. went to the bookstore and you look for one of six names. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that was about it. And then suddenly now there are millions. Yes, it is. Uh, so it it's, is. It is a different thing. You're, you're certain, certainly right. Let me ask you uh, one more question here. It has to do with uh, what you think from your perspective and your experience What's the greatest challenge um, to the global church? I mean, Christians worldwide. What What's developing now that you think is going to be the toughest things for Christians to face? Well, I think, you know, based on research that I've seen, based on books that I've read, particularly like Barna Books, who does the great research, you know, on various yeah. things, um, that the young folks are just are walking away from church, and it's, and it's not— that they don't believe in God and, and they're not mad at God and they're, and they're not atheists, but they are disgusted with kind of what we've talked about already, traditional religion or Christianity churches that are unwilling to make what appear to them to be just simple changes churches that, uh, and this is another thing I've experienced in ministry churches that are not willing to, open themselves up to people of all races and cultures that, you know, mm-hmm. we're still a blank only church, whatever that blank is. Yeah. And they are, they have, you know, what is right and what is clearly right and wrong to me as a, a person, the age I am is not clearly right or wrong to the middle schoolers that I teach. And I teach in a Christian school and most of these are Christian kids, but there are certain topics you know, that are hot topics in society that I could ask them to give me their opinion or their belief about, and they're not going to match our traditional belief as a Christian. I'm not saying I agree with them. I'm just saying that they think differently. So we're up against that. We're up against 
younger ones, millennials particularly, who just, you know, left the church by the thousands. And yet at the same time, research shows that they are very interested in religion. They're very interested in, in Christianity, but and, and they're very interested in biblical knowledge, but they want it to be something real and genuine. Yeah. And they're not always seeing that in our churches. So they like Jesus, but you can keep the church sort of thing. Huh? Yeah, kind of like the hippies back in the 60s. Yeah. And 70s, you know, the Jesus <laughs> freaks. Um, yeah. 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 And, the church, and, and by the way, I think that the church missed a great opportunity when we turned our back on the hippies, and I am one, was one. Yeah. <laughs> and I yeah, think, yeah. you know, that we're doing, I think we're going to miss out again with our current generation unless you know, we do something. How would you, how would you address the very problem we just stated? I mean, it's, everyone has their own theory about that and different, different types of churches they're starting, but how would you want to address that, that issue itself? I don't know what the answer is. I think in some churches, um, you know, it sounds kind of cold to say, uh, but I've been in those churches, probably have too. In some churches, sometimes some people just have to die, <laughs> go somewhere else. Um, you know, I, I mean, they really do because I know, I know. to try to I know. change it. I mean, many, many pastors and members have left or been asked to leave, you know, over thing, over change yeah. that, that didn't relate to right and wrong. It just related to tradition, the lottery. Yeah. I, I think, you know, I think a lot of our older church maybe will, they will close or they will just, kind of survived. The church that I pastor now was established in 1776. Wow. And, you know, we're still going, not with a huge crowd, but, you know, they're still going. I think uh, this is why we see so many of our younger ones generating toward mega churches. Um, and so I don't know what the answer is. I think it will probably continue to to be what we've experienced in the past because churches have had to deal with the same thing in the past it's just you know it's been different things but yeah i don't know what the answer is i think we're going to have to you know, christians are going to have to do something different we got to hang on to the doctrine but at the same time we got to do something different you've been listening to martin wiles speaking to us today from an experience of pastor english teacher and writer You'll want to check out his list of books, articles, devotionals, and more. Watch for more of our guests, Christian leaders who can inform and encourage you in your own walk of faith. This is John Snyder for The Walk. Until next time.